Hello and welcome once again to the Foundry Church Podcast. My name is Joseph. I'm the worship pastor here at the Foundry Church in Winter Springs, Florida. Welcome to my office. Uh, If I haven't said it on here before, that's where I record most of these intros and outros for the pod. Uh, What you're about to hear is week four of our current series called The Gospel According to Sinead. We're taking a look at uh, the life and the work um, and the, uh, the beliefs and all the actions, all this kind of stuff of uh, the singer Sinead O'Connor. Um, if you're unfamiliar with her, she was on track in the late 80s and early 90s to be like a big time pop star. She had a huge uh, single uh, in a song called Nothing Compares to You. Uh, but deep down, she never wanted to be a pop star. She wanted to be a protest singer and that is what she spent her career doing. Um, This song uh, for this week is called VIP, and it is a look at, um, it's it's a a meditation on, an exploration on uh, fame, and how we view fame, and how we seek fame, and um, maybe as an alternative, who we should be looking to uh, and placing value upon. Um, It's a bit of a... Uh, a serious song, a bit of a serious message, uh, but I think you will still enjoy it, um, even if it does sort of uh, ask questions and step on toes at times and that sort of thing. That said, let's get to it. Uh, please enjoy this message from our lead pastor, Seth Kane. This is VIP week four of our series, The Gospel According to Sinead. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so very glad you're here, whether you're joining us in person or online. My name is Seth, and this, of course, is the Foundry, where we're all about a better you and a better world. Um, So we are in week four of our series called The Gospel According to Sinead, and we're looking at the life and the music of Sinead O'Connor, and our primary goal is focusing on, like, the meaning of the music, like what's going on with with what she's up to. Uh, And just in case you're new here, just to be clear, uh, when we say this series is called The Gospel According to Sinead, we're not saying that Sinead is the gospel. Like, the point is not be exactly like this person. What we're trying to do is unveil, uncover some truths of Christ that are found within the life or the music of this particular well-known individual. And like we've said before, Sinead was not perfect. We are aware of this. Do we agree with everything she said and did? Of course we don't. But just because we don't agree with everything doesn't mean that we can't find some truth Somewhere. It doesn't mean that we can't learn something somewhere. So we've been following the timeline kind of order of Sinead's life and music. Uh, last week, we looked at uh, the song Something Beautiful from the, from the album called Theology that came out in 2007. This, uh, we, we talked about in that, in that album, we start to see this bit of a shift shift in her music. Her life is still a bit of a mess, but there's this shift in her music uh, that she becomes, it's like a little bit less in your face. It's a little bit less angsty. Uh, it's not just simply pointing and calling things out, but it seems to be a bit more of a crying out. There seems to be a softening that's happening. So we're going to skip ahead uh, about five more years from her last album, Theology, to her ninth album, which was released in 2012 called How About I Be Me? How about I be me and you be you? And this song contains one of, one of my favorite songs of hers called VIP, very important person. This song to me is, is beautiful, it's haunting, it's pressing, 
it stirs something within my spirit every time I hear it. So we're gonna keep the same format as we've, we've been using. We're gonna listen to the song, then we'll talk about it, then we'll listen again. Um, if you'd like to follow along with the lyrics, you can go to our Church Center app, go to the sermons, and then go to sermon notes. They'll be in there. Uh, what I would recommend is if you're not familiar with this song, if you've never heard it before, that you kind of follow along with the lyrics this first time through so that, that at the end when we go back through it, you can just kind of take it in a little bit better. Um, for me, this song, it, it resonates very deeply with me. But like with anything, it's all about kind of the space you're in, you know? So if you're carrying a bunch of stuff right now, maybe this is a good time to kind of like let that go a little bit, take a few deep breaths, kind of get yourselves in the moment. This is a, a low song. This is a slow song. Uh, but it, it is extremely, extremely beautiful. So we're going to take a listen, and then we'll talk about it. Exactly are we giving hope? 
the instruction of the Lord. Certainly for nothing your pens have labored. For nothing your writers have written. The wise will be put to shame 
See, they reject the word of the Lord, so their wisdom amounts to nothing. They dress the wounds of my poor people as though they are nothing, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace, saying, all is well, when nothing is well. Did it get you? Every time it gets me. Every time. So she uses this song to question our culture's obsession with fame, with materialism, to challenge us to consider what truly makes somebody important. What makes somebody important in the grand scheme of things? Is it going to the glamorous parties? Is it indulging in vanity? Is that what makes somebody important? You skip down a few lines in the song. We're not going to go through this the way we have on all these because some of this is, I feel like, pretty self-explanatory. But she says, uh, the artist always spoke their needs, the people's needs. Now we're gorged on what devils feed in the shallow form of MTV, telling the youth to worship futile dreams and long for bling and material things. In an interview in 2012, after this song came out, um, she was speaking with Spin Magazine, and Sinead uh, was talking about this song specifically, VIP. She said this song was inspired by conversations that she had had with Bono and Bob Galdof. Uh, Geldof. Uh, she said this. The song, it's about artists generally. It's just asking a series of questions about, you know, where are we at but it used to be that artists had other roles as well as entertainers. We stood for things and we expressed things on behalf of people who had a hard time expressing them. In the 80s and 90s, we all gave a care and we put our careers on the line for stuff. But it's all about fame and fortune now. Right? So she's tying all of this together. But now it seems like so many artists are a bit more concerned with paychecks and popularity than this deeper issues, these higher callings. That's what she's saying. And she's also pushing back against these mainstream ideas and what media is feeding our children about what's important, about what makes them valuable, about uh, what they need to buy or what they need to have. It's all this marketing and culture that's setting the tone for how we understand the importance, uh, the importance and the value of ourselves as well as one another. And then she says, it's kind of like we missed the mark here. She says, I'll tell you what a real VIP is. The next line, I tell you what a real VIP is, a face that never was nor will be kissed. It's those who don't have a platform, those who, don't, those who often get overlooked, those who have been orphaned or abandoned or marginalized. She sings, to whom exactly are we giving hope when we stand behind the velvet rope? or get our pictures taken with the Pope, like some sick April Fool kind of joke. She's talking about celebrity here, and actually she's taking a bit of a dig at, at our buddy Bono, who we did a couple years ago in this series. Um, he, he, he had uh, made headlines when he himself had a meeting with the Pope and they took pictures. And it was kind of a big deal. I, I believe Bono was meeting with the Pope for good reasons, um, but I could see why with her background, she didn't feel so great about this. Here's a photo of Bono meeting with the Pope. The Pope is trying on Bono's sunglasses, right? Because it's cool. 
But you can understand from her perspective going like, what, what, what are we doing with our platform here? So she goes on, who is the really real, real VIP? The one and true most conquering king who looks around at everything and sees exactly what we've been. His is the face that never was nor will be kissed. Do you think we'll be down on his guest list? Now, this isn't stated anywhere directly, but I believe this is a pretty clear reference to Matthew chapter 25, which we'll look, about, look at in a minute. But I believe it's a reference to Jesus who's taking note of how we are treating one another. Then she sings, uh, there'll be no makeup, there'll be no film crews, no Vuitton bags, no Manolo shoes. When he's presiding over you, asking you, did you love only you? Or did you stand for something else besides the hankering for fame and fame itself, the one who always was and always is? We'll show you what a real VIP is. This is kind of a, a, a picture of like standing judgment before the Lord, isn't it? And she says like, in that moment, it's really just you. There's no one watching. There's no film crew. What you've acquired, what you've amassed in your life really doesn't matter. She says, no Vuitton bags and no Manolo shoes. I don't know if you know what these are, but in case you're not familiar with it, this is very high-end clothing and apparel. Um, I was on their website this week, uh, not doing some shopping, um, and so they had a new product. This is um, Louis Vuitton. This is, it's a cute little clutch. I mean, it really is, it would be a nice addition to any, uh, anyone's wardrobe. It's, it's light blue. Um, this is called the Croissant PM. It's very cute. It's very stylish. It's very now. It's very in. Um, this will set you back about $3,100 for this right there. Not her, just, just the purse. $3,100, just to give you an idea, uh, right? She's saying this stuff doesn't matter. The one presiding over you will ask, did you spend your life on only yourself? Did you stand for something more than what you own, for your own sense of status? She says the one who always is, always was, and always is will show you what the real VIP is. I believe she's referring to Revelation chapter 1-8 here. I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, who is to come. It's the Lord God who always was and always is, who will be asking these questions, who will be showing to us, revealing to us, what a real VIP is, who will show to us what it is that really matters to God. And then in the last stanza, she sings kind of as a response to God revealing the real VIPs. She sings, the fatherless, the motherless, the ravaged child at home who, who cried to you. You will be asked to say, what did you do? And what's behind the velvet curtain? Don't know, but I can say for certain a face that never was nor will be kissed will show you what a real VIP is. So what, what is a real VIP according to the song? She's saying the fatherless, the motherless, the abused children. And the question will be, what did you do about it? And then she closes in the song. She, she whispers that whole last line. He says, how can you say we are wise and we possess the instructions of the Lord? 
Certainly for nothing your pens have labored, for nothing your writers have written. The wise will be put to shame, see? They reject the word of the Lord, so their wisdom amounts to nothing. They dress the wounds of my poor people as though they were nothing, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace, saying, all is well when nothing is well. It sounds a lot cooler when she says it in her Irish accent. It's super cool. I believe this is a paraphrase of the prophet Jeremiah, which we talked about last week a bit. Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 8 says this, how can you say we are wise, for we have the law of the Lord, when actually the lying pen of the scribes has handled it falsely? The wise will be put to shame. They will be dismayed and trapped, since they have rejected the word of the Lord. What kind of wisdom do they have? Verse 11, they dress the wound of my people as though it were not, not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. This is a powerful song. It's a powerful song that forces us to examine like deep within ourselves, to examine our own values, our own priorities, to reflect on what truly matters, what truly gives value. And to me, this is, this is more than just a song. To me, this is like this deep, stirring invitation to do something. It's a, it's a heart-stirring kind of call to action. And this song, to me, really reminds me of Matthew chapter 25. So I want to look at this passage a, a little bit here. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Now let's pause here for a second. Uh, often this passage used, gets used as like this kind of final judgment sort of passage. And we kind of jump to the conclusion that like the sheep are the, the good guys. They're the Christians. They're the ones who have accepted Jesus. They're the righteous ones. So they go into the right. They go to the good side. And then you have the goats. And obviously the goats are the bad guys. They've rejected the Lord. They've turned their backs on God. They are the unrighteous worldly people. They go to the left. The sheep go to heaven and the goats go to hell. I don't really think that's what it's saying, but let's keep going. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or need clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and imprisoned, and you did not look after me. They will also answer the Lord. They, will, they also will answer, 
Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So there's a king who is presiding over this judgment, kind of like in this song. And he's looking around and he's recounting everything that they've done or haven't done, like in this song. And and the sheep and goats here, I I don't believe they appear to be believers or non-believers. The sheep and the goats are those who looked after the least of these and those who did not. Those who looked after the least of these and those who looked after themselves. And it's those who looked after the least of these that are considered righteous and are ushered into this life eternal. And it's those who looked after themselves who are sent away to eternal punishment. That's kind of a heavy story, heavy teaching. And who are the least of these, according to this teaching of Jesus? The hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the poor, the naked, the sick, the imprisoned, the king, that is the son of man, that is Jesus, that is the Christ, says, whatever you do for the least of these, you have done for me. To feed and give refreshment, to welcome and to clothe, to comfort those who are in need is to care for and to love the divine. You know, sometimes I hear people say things like, oh man, I really feel distant from God or I don't feel like I'm that close to God like I used to be or I want to develop a deeper relationship with God. If Jesus, the Son of God, who was one with God, is saying to look after the least of these is to look after me, then maybe if we feel distant from God, or we feel like we can't find God, or we feel like we're not connected, is it possible that we're looking for God in the wrong places? Because I think if we're honest with ourselves, I think most of us would say, maybe not out loud, but we would, most of us, don't we try to avoid the least of these types of people? We want to live in nice neighborhoods with nice neighbors and have nice friends and have nice houses, and we want to keep a bit of a distance from the least of these types of people. We roll up the window when we see the person on the corner needing some help. We stare straight ahead. We get busy on our phones. We yell at our kids for no reason just to avoid it. That's how much we don't like it. I do it all the time. It's a great way out. We end up looking at the mess of the external of this person, and maybe what we're missing is the Christ who is standing right in front of us. How often do we go to dinner and not think twice about dropping some cash on a nice dinner? That's okay. But then we ignore somebody in need on the way home. I I often pat myself on the back because I'm proud of myself and my family because we sponsor a kid through Benny Bakers, through our mission, through Kingdom Kids, and we give them 30 bucks a month and like, wow, what a great sacrifice. Look at how good you are. Isn't that exciting? And that 30 months covers like 
uh, food and education for this little girl named Jaime for a whole month. I feel really great. What a servant of God I am. But also, when we go to lunch today with my family, I'm probably going to spend about twice that for one meal for one day. Oh, way to go, Seth. You're really, you're really doing it, aren't you? How often do we spend our money to buy these things that serve as status symbols so that we feel a certain way about ourselves or that we try to make other people think a certain way about ourselves? It's a bit like we're making ourselves the VIP, or at least that's what we're trying to convey. And apparently, according to Jesus here in Matthew 25, to take care of the least of these is to essentially care for God and it seems to have some sort of bearing on our ability to access eternal life. Now, I do, I do want to be careful here because I don't believe it's advocating for a works-based system of salvation. I don't believe that at all. But I do believe that it's pointing to how serious God is about each of us taking care of God's children. To care for God's children is to care for God. And again, this is, this is nothing new. This isn't an isolated thought within the scripture. We talked a bit about this last week in, in the book of Jeremiah, but the instructions to look after each other as God's own beloved children is found all throughout the scripture. So I want to take a minute or five to look at a few dozen scriptures. Hold on to your seats. Exodus 22, do not mistreat or oppress a foreigner, for you were foreigners in Egypt. Do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. If you do, then they cry out to me, I will certainly hear their cry. Leviticus 25, 35, if any of your fellow Israelites become poor or unable to support themselves among you, help them as you would a foreigner and a stranger so they can continue to live among you. Deuteronomy 10, 18, he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, give them, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. Deuteronomy 24, 19, when you are harvesting in your fields and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat the olives from your tree, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. This is why I command you to do this. Psalms 82, defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hands of the wicked. Psalms 146, he upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are, who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. Proverbs 14, it is a sin to despise one's neighbor, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. Proverbs 19, 
Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Isaiah 1.17, learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Isaiah 58.7, is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Ezekiel 16, now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. The sin of Sodom was that they did not help the poor and needy. Zechariah 7, this is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppose the widow or the fatherless. Oppress the widow or the fatherless. The foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against you. Matthew 5.42, give to the one who asks you. Do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Matthew 6, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Mark 10, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Luke 6, 20, looking at his disciples, he said, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Acts 20, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of Jesus, uh, the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Philippians 2, 3 through 4, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. James 1.27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Hebrews 13.2, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. 1 John three seventeen. if anyone has material possession and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. That's just a few of them. This whole looking out for the least of these things seems to be a pretty deep, reoccurring, impressing theme throughout the entirety of the scripture. And it really makes me think that God must take this stuff pretty serious. Sinead says, the one who was and always is will show you what a real VIP is. Jesus says, whatever you have done for the least of these, you have done for me. And what it looks like we've been shown 
is that the real VIPs are not the people who have it all together. The real VIPs are not the ones who are killing it and crushing it at the game of life. The real VIPs are not the ones who are at the top of the socioeconomic hierarchy. The real VIPs are those who sit at the bottom, are those who are poor and experience lack, are those who are without mothers and fathers, are those without food and clothing, are those without justice and fairness and opportunity, are those who get pushed out to the margins of society. And what it seems like to me, Matthew 25 is saying, is that this is exactly where you will find God. Which makes me wonder how often we've neglected God this week. Which makes me wonder how often I've neglected God this week. How many times did I avert my gaze from Christ because I was uncomfortable? How many times did I turn my back on Christ because I couldn't afford the time or the expense to take care of God? Matthew 25 says, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Here's what we're going to do. We've already done our communion We're not going to do a closing song. We're just going to listen to this song one more time. We're going to sit. I ask that you be open in this moment, that you ask the Spirit to move, to convict, to inspire us. And I'm not going to ask anything of you. This is a moment where (laughs) I think maybe some churches would use this to get you to do something, sign up for something, volunteer for something, give to something. We're not doing that. We're not asking anything from you. What I want to do is give you this opportunity to allow God to stir within your heart. I want you to be open to whatever God has in store for you this moment. I want you to sit and to wrestle. So I'm going to pray. We're going to listen to this song. Then we're going to have this extended moment of quiet and reflection. Lean into it. Don't run from it. Let God stir something within you here. After the songs, we'll give you the song. I'll give you a couple minutes, and then I'll come back to dismiss you. Okay, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the heart and the meaning behind this song. God, we thank you for the pressing, for the uncomfortable look at ourselves sometimes. God, we thank you for the insistence, the continual reminder of your scripture that we are all God's children and that you are imploring us to take care of one another as such. God, move in our hearts in this moment, move in our minds, speak to us, reveal to us the things that need to be revealed. Maybe it's a bitterness, maybe it's a hatred, maybe it's a dislike, maybe it's a callousness. God, we ask that you break us open in this moment. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
There'll be no makeup and there'll be no film crews. No Vuitton bags and no Manolo shoes. When he is presiding over you, asking you, did you love only you? Or did you stand for something else besides the hankering for fame and fame itself? The one who always was and always is will show you what a real VIP is. The The motherless The ravaged child at home who cried to you You will be asked to say What did you do? And what's behind that velvet curtain? Don't know, but I can say for certain A face that never was, nor will be kissed Will show you what a real VIP say we are wise and we possess the instruction of the Lord certainly for nothing your pens have labored for nothing your writers have written the wise will be put to shame see they reject the word of the Lord so their wisdom amounts to nothing they dress the wounds of my people as though they are nothing, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace, saying, all is well, when nothing is well. Thank you for that message, Seth. And thank you, Savannah, for singing that song so beautifully. Um, just from a, like a structural point, from a musical standpoint, um, it's such a brilliant song. It's so well-crafted. The melody is sort of this repetitive thing throughout the song, but you don't, it doesn't exactly repeat the way it immediately seems like it should. Uh, the music being so sparse, um, honestly, it's just a drone um, kind of behind her singing. It, it really highlights and accentuates um, what she's saying, which I'm sure was the point. 
Um, this is one of those songs where the, the message is, is clearly uh, far more important than the medium. And uh, so for Sinead to have sort of written this and arranged it in such a way that there's no real music to speak of, it's just a drone uh, underneath a solo voice and it's beautiful. Uh, and it's poignant and it's, um, it steps on your toes a little bit, um, especially if, uh, like a lot of us, um, you know, we like to see ourselves as the hero of our own story. We like to um, look at the good things that we do as a way to kind of pump ourselves up and go, hey, look how good I'm doing. Look how caring I am. Look how, look how loving I am. Look how generous I am. And I think ultimately what Sinead O'Connor is trying to point to in this song is to say, look, even that is a form of uh, glorifying ourselves and making ourselves the VIP. And uh, so I, you know, was very challenged by this message, very challenged by this song. Um, it's possible that you were too. And I think our job now is to go throughout this week and uh, to... Um, to try to apply that, to try to to try to find places in our lives, um, to, to self-examine, you know, places in our lives where uh, where we're making ourselves the center of things, and uh, find other people to make the center of things. Anyways, I'm rambling, uh, so I'm going to end it here. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of the Foundry Church podcast. Uh, remember, you can always find more episodes of the podcast uh, either on Spotify or you can go to our website, uh, thefoundryseed.org slash watch, and you can uh, actually watch the messages there or you can get the, uh, the audio-only version of this podcast. If you're on Spotify, it's actually a video podcast. Uh, if you care to see my face uh, or Seth or anybody else who's on stage during the messages, you can see them there, uh, or you can just listen. Because I know for most people, podcasts are an audio-only medium uh, as you're in your car on your way to work or traveling or something like that. So all that said, um, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And we will see you next week here at the Foundry Church Podcast.